We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 330. So it was a two out of three in Tampa. I think, Scott, that's exactly what the Yankees wanted to do. And they embarrassed them a little bit because the Rays had to deal with their garbage can of a ballpark this weekend. They proved to the rest of baseball their team might be all right, but they're not really a legitimate franchise playing in that dump. Not that they needed to prove to anybody. We all we all understood what this place was, but of course the power had to go out. It does something weird happens every time we go down there. So I'm glad that they that they finally they're like, wait, hold on, guys. It's the ninth inning. They're leaving mm-hmm. in like an hour. We got to do something. Something crazy has to happen. Let's let's get the power the lights out. The power is going to go out. I was listening to it because I was down in South Carolina all weekend for my sister's graduation uh, of University of South Carolina. So congratulations to Jill. Uh, we had a, a fun weekend with with the family, but I was listening to John Sterling, and he was talking about how it happened before, uh, you know, on Friday, only went out for a little bit. The lights were flickering at one point, but this one was just, you know, like everybody lost it. Everybody lost it. it apparently, I saw people tweeting some of the beat reporters that they put in a new lighting system oh, over sure. the off season. Because of course they're 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 just putting lipstick on a pig at that point down <laughs> down on that place. Why why are they spending any money on that place at all? Well, I think they're stuck there for like a pretty long time on a lease. Yeah, oh, they're definitely there. So they're until, trying to make the best of it, but until someone else swoops up and uh, and puts a was, Mayflower truck and gets them out in the middle of the night. People, some Yankee fans were trolling them as well on Saturday because the race Twitter account um, 
put out a post like thanking all their fans for a sellout. It was like the first sellout of, of the year. But then you, you realize they block off the entire upper deck. So, so yeah, so they, they sold out that. the lower bowl on a Saturday afternoon against the Yankees. While it's got, they're in first been, place. Like, had to have been 70% Yankee fans there. Yeah, while, while in first place. Yeah. It's, um, it's, a sad, it's a sad state of affairs for the Devil Rays. And, and they were wearing their old, you know what, those horribly pretty, hideous uniforms. No. I disagree. Those are pretty hot. I like those. <laughs> the, you love you like the the rainbow across the the logo. Yes, the, because the if you're devil, going to the actual devil because they're not they're not even. You know, I, I don't even think I realized this halfway through their like immediately when they rebranded. I still thought they were the devil rays, but just like drop the devil. They but no, 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 it's a while. But it's a sun. It's a sun ray. Then they play in the in the enclosed trop, and they're, they're a sun ray. Sunshine is Florida okay. the sunshine state. I get. No, I don't know. But What's the reason the sunshine state. But the reason they play in a dome is because it rains all the time and it's mm-hmm. hot as balls. You know, I don't know. It's just there's a lot of contradictory things that happen with the double rays here. I'm gonna need a full report when when the uh, Bronx pinstripes invasion happens in July. Yeah. Again, like we said, right? Like I'm looking forward to it just so I can shit all over the, the trap. I'll do um I'll have to do a cameo stadium eats, even though I don't think JJ's gonna be there. Maybe I'll just steal a segment. The uh well the Yankees actually it, maybe the tables have turned because last year we know it was a house of horrors for the for the Yankees, as uh, you talked with John last episode. But on Friday, Gary Sanchez hit a catwalk and it turned out to be a single for him. See, these it, are it, it, it dropped it's in the, the balls in play. He hit one of the inner rings, um, mm-hmm. so it was just like a sky high pop up. It would have been a pop up to short left field or to the shortstop, and it ended up falling. So I think maybe the tides have turned for the Yankees in Tampa. That was it. That's all they needed, right? They just needed the ball to hit the catwalk. And then land in fair territory. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's um, and this was a this was a big series. We uh, we talked about it last episode going down there against the first place Rays. We we shit on the Rays a lot. We shit on the we make fun of them. That is still the Devil Rays, terrible ballpark. But as far as the talent on the team goes, I think it's pretty legit. And I don't think they're going to be going away this year. So this was a big series win. Yeah, I mean they're going to be pesky. There's no doubt. Like I think they showed kind of what they are as well in the sense that they're going to. You know they're going to be aggressive on the base path. They're they're going to get, they're not going to hit a ton of home runs, even though they did hit some big home runs. They got uh, that Diaz kid looks pretty good. Awesome Meadows uh, too. He was a awesome, yeah. wrecking ball all weekend. Yeah, but they're they're definitely going to be more aggressive. They're going to be you know that team that that doesn't go away and hangs out. And this weekend, you know we we kind of predicted what we were going to see as far as the the pitchers, and it did kind of, it did line up like we thought in the sense that we got Glass now, we got Torino's for four innings on Saturday. He didn't start the game, but we got him in the middle for the bulk of the game. And then, um, uh, and then we get uh, Snell like for Snell. Sunday. Yeah. So we got their best. There's no doubt about it. Maybe glass now wasn't at his best because there was potentially an injury during he looked, it. Yeah. Friday's game. He looked kind of off the, from the minute the game started um, the first inning, you could tell he didn't, he wasn't super sharp. He put a few guys on base Ended up scoring. I, uh, the Yankees ended up scoring. I believe it was a wild pitch or it was a pass ball. I don't know what it was actually ruled. But then, yeah, in that fifth inning or fifth or sixth inning, whenever he called the trainer out with a, with what turned out to be a forearm issue, and now he's on the IL. But yeah, you could just tell he wasn't fully on his game. He was leading the league in ERA coming into that game and and wins. He had six wins. You don't you don't care about that because because now care less about that. Well, what about the fact now that Herman has the most wins in Major League Baseball? We care about that more now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Herman pitched five innings on Friday, got him, got him the win. That's a big deal. Domingo Herman is leading 
the American League and wins. So you know what I was thinking about because I was looking at the MLB app uh, over the weekend, and whenever it talks about pitching matchups, it always gives wins and ERA, the win-loss record and ERA. How far away are we before it stops giving the win-loss record? I, I don't think it's ever going to go away because you still have those casual fans who will never look at the analytics. I don't know. It's not I think even, I'm not asking for. I'm not asking for expected weighting on weighted on base average or, or FIP or anything like that. But maybe in, maybe innings pitched or, or something something other than win loss record. Innings pitched is usually is usually up there though. No, but I they mean, usually just do in the parentheses two stats. It's his win loss record and then his ERA. Yeah, I mean it tells the story. It tells the complete story. So that's why they do that. That's <laughs> all you need to know. That's all I need to know. I need to know how many wins this guy has, so so I can know how how valuable he is to the team, and then I can uh, and then I need to know the uh, the amount of runs that he's had per innings that he's pitched, and that's all I need to know. That's it. Uh, this uh, I just thought have baseball cards thing. changed. I haven't looked at a base the back know. of a baseball card in a very long time, so I don't know if they've added like stat categories into any of this uh, any of the analytics. But I'm curious because I know collect, they're making a comeback. Did you used to collect baseball cards? Oh yeah, big time. Dollars and cents in Ridgewood, New Jersey was my spot. You used to ride our bikes Did there you have all the time. one of those binders and everything? One of those binders? I've, I have I have multiple binders. Stacks of binders in closets right now and stacks of like those old, you know, or not the old, but the, the boxes you get print, printer paper in or copier paper in. Yeah. I have boxes of those full. I have a lot of baseball cards. Any good ones? Any, any valuable ones? That I know of, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's some really good ones in there, but again, I haven't looked. You got any bubblegum left? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> any, there was, any, any the bubblegum bubble started still, going away, like, right, right, was that when I was. No, right? I used to get bubblegum. Not on the good packs. Uh, well, they what, didn't have dude? any gum in the, like, tops didn't have gum. I and mean, they them. started getting worried about people, like, poisoning the gum or something. I think that's when yeah. they stopped. But no, yeah, I, I, don't, I remember I had some packs. Maybe they were older than my dad had, like, that he bought in the 80s, maybe, but. So the gum disintegrated if you actually it just shriveled up into it. it shriveled up from like a full stick of gum down to like yeah. a little a little puny thing. But yeah, no, I have a, I have a ton. I was I was big into it. I started getting into basketball cards too towards the end. So I have a few binders of those guys too. Um, the Devil Rays conversation had me thinking about somebody I saw. I was at a mall in New Jersey over the weekend, and I saw a guy walking around with a Yankees hat on and a Wade Boggs throwback Devil Rays jersey. That's just weird. Like, is that just a... At first, when I, he was walking towards me, I just saw him wearing the Devil Rays and a Yankees hat. And I was like, oh, look at this asshole. Maybe he's doing it ironically. And then I saw the back of it and it was Wade Boggs. And I was like, you know, what? he played for the Yankees. If there's one Devil Rays jersey you're going to have, it's going to be Wade Boggs. Or maybe Jose Tino. Canseco. Tino played for the Rays for a minute, didn't he? At the, at the very, very end? After, before or after he came back to the Yankees? I want to say before, but I got to look at my timeline timeline now. But I, I swear to God, I can picture him in that horrible uniform. And, there's 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 like bad memories of these guys at the end of their careers. He in that wasn't horrible Devil uniform. Ray. I don't think weren't they the Rays by that point? I'm looking it up. All right, you look it up, and I'm going to run through a couple housekeeping items. So you guys know we've got a event. Our next BP Crew event is May 31st. It's a Friday night at the stadium against the Red Sox. It is going to be a hell of an atmosphere because. I don't know if you've noticed, but the Red Sox are only two and a half back of the Yankees now. They're on a tear. They've won five in a row and 10 out of their last 12. We've kind of been mentioning it every episode for the last couple of weeks, but the Red Sox figured out how to play baseball again. Thankfully, they just 
took the first three, four weeks of the season off, gave the Yankees a little bit of a cushion while they were dealing with all their injuries, gave the Rays a little bit of a head start, but they're coming up now. So I expect that to be a massive series, four games at the end of the month, May 31st. Tickets are on sale. They are selling out uh, pretty uh, soon, I expect. What, what do we have? Like over 200 tickets sold. We're at around 250 right now. Do not now. wait until the last minute to go buy these. If you go, if you think, oh, I'm going to grab tickets last minute on a secondary market site, yeah, you could do that. You're going to be sitting in the upper deck for double the wait, price wait. of what <laughs> yeah. you could pay for for our tickets in section 205, which is a great seat. You're going to be with a bunch of people, pregame party, t-shirt, hot dog, beer in the game for, what was it, 96 bucks? Uh, yeah, ninety-seven dollars. I think it is. Yeah, the um, but the it's a it, it is a it is a good deal, and the secondary market is starting to climb, especially with the Red Sox doing what they're doing. And by the way, Tino Martinez did play the year before he came back in two thousand four. He okay, played so it was before race. he came for the came to the and Yankees it, after the it, Cardinals before the Yankees. Yep, and it was a it was a full blown Devil Rays season. <laughs> All right, so yeah, if there's one Devil Rays jersey I'm gonna get, it's gonna be Tino. But Wade Boggs might be second. I gotta tell you, I'm not doing it anyway. Like, no, I'm never doing I, I, it. I still don't. I still don't I have buy one the Yankees six. jersey, so I don't think I'm yeah, really. I'm not a big jersey guy in the first place, but I still would never get a Tampa Bay Devil Rays jersey. I don't care who's on the back. I don't care whose name it is. Who's uh, they put names on the back? I assume it's the. I, I, they've got to right. It's the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Yeah. So I would. Those fans uh, I would don't never. Know what's going on. I would never. Don Mattingly played for them. I would not get there. Not get his jersey. It would be. I feel like it would be disrespectful to the to the Yankees player to get their jersey in a Devil Rays uniform. Who's it? Would be disrespectful. What's your one Yankees jersey? I have a Jeter jersey that I recently got. Why? Because I wanted a Jeter jersey. Because I'm actually going to hang it. I'm going to put it. Is it a home or a road? It's a home jersey. It's a it's a it's a pinstriped Derek Jeter jersey. And I only got it so that I could use it as decoration in my office because I will probably never wear it. I have a Paul O'Neill Road World Series emblem. I think it's the 2000 World Series emblem uh, jersey. Yeah. Uh, June 22nd. That's going to be the event afterwards. That's against Houston. And then, as we mentioned, July 6th is our Tampa invasion. All those tickets to all the events, those three plus all the ones later in the season, are on the website. I also want to mention, so... Colleen and I are organizing a watch party for the Saturday London game. That's Saturday, June 29th. There's going to be a watch party in New York City. We've narrowed down the location to Tavern 29. Uh, It's a good location for all people if you're traveling in from Long Island, traveling in from north of the city, from New Jersey. It's uh, near all major public transportation. If you guys are interested in going, there's a Facebook uh, event for it. So you just go to the BP crew page. You can find the event. Tweet us if if you're interested and you can't find it. But June 29th, Saturday afternoon, it's a 1 o'clock game against the Red Sox. We're going to be doing a watch party. And uh, before we get going, we, uh, we're proud parents, Scott. Proud, proud, proud parents. Chests, chests are puffing out. Of Tyler and Dom, who uh, are graduating. Uh, Dom's graduating from uh, the Newhouse School up in Syracuse grad school. Tyler's uh, graduating from Marist undergrad. They're both moving on to uh to jobs they're going to still be involved with bronx pinstripes but they've been heavily involved while they're in college uh as interns for the show and interns for the site they are moving on to bigger and better things pretty pretty legitimate pretty legitimate uh (laughs) entities for both these guys tyler's got got a job lined up at espn and dom at mlb network and nhl network yeah no it's it's great and and congratulations to, to tyler and dom 
super proud of these guys. They've been working their butts off. A lot of times you don't see what they do, but they've been br- uh, busting their butt behind the scenes with all the things that we do um, on this show and and more things on the website as well. So congratulations to them. If you're on Twitter or social media, just give them a give them a shout. But um, but yeah, uh, at some point we're gonna look for uh, we we're, we're gonna need an, another intern. I think Marist has been good to us. Marist, is, we're, we're two for two from Marist. So um, if you are looking, if you are from Marist, if you go to Marist, get in touch with Tyler or Dom if you know them. And tell them, uh, tell them that you're interested in, in interning because at some point Tyler is going to be bogged down by the corporate machine at ESPN. I feel like, you know how in, in football they talk about the coaching trees, like Belichick's yeah. coaching tree or Parcells' right, right, coaching right. I feel like at a certain point we're going to have a podcast tree or, or yeah, a sports, I like sports media tree. I like it. Dom's starting his own tree too, actually, with, the, with recruiting Tyler. Right, but it started with us. And then oh, it, it did, but he, but he now has a branch <laughs> of his own. So he's like the Eric Mangini? Yeah, but that's that's disrespectful to Dom. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's go. Let's talk about last Thursday. So it was the last game against Seattle. Yankees ended up winning three, three or four against Seattle, and something happened in this game where D. Gordon got hit, and he had a quote after he was pissed off. You could tell during that game he was pissed off. He was screaming as he as he left the field, he, screaming uh, in agony. Screaming in anger, I think, because uh, if you hear his quote, it was the second time he threw up at my head. He's talking about Jay Hat. You've got to get that ball down. If you can't throw that pitch, don't throw it. I've got a family, so you need to get the ball down. That was twice. And then Hap responded, I think a day later, uh, he was potentially injured, and I don't know if he will miss time or what, but it was kind of an ignorant comment. First of all, it wasn't anywhere near where he indicated it was, and I don't have a reputation for that. The pitch was definitely up. It was a little in. I think it hit him in the hand. I would not say he was hunting his head because, first of all, Jay Happ does not seem like someone who's going to be hunting any heads. He seems no. like the most mild-mannered guy. If he's going to hit you, he's going to probably hit you right in the back, like middle the of the ass. back or right in yeah. the ass, right yeah. in the thigh muscle. So it's not going to like do any major long-term damage. So this was kind of like D. Gordon just mad for, I think, just no mad. reason. Just being mad. Just just looking for something to be mad at. And, and the whole... The whole "I have a family" comment, like, okay, yeah, you they know, all let's, have let's, families. They all have everybody has careers, families. Like, yeah, just because you you got hit by a, a baseball when you're playing professional baseball doesn't mean you need to cry about your livelihood and your family after someone goes up and in on you. It's just it's it's become part of like the whiny mentality of some of these guys, I think, and it's it's part of the game. The ball was definitely not being thrown at him intentionally, so the fact that he thought Jay Happ of all people was throwing the ball at him intentionally. It's pretty, pretty comical, I think. So, yeah, I, I think it's uh, just just him. And, you know, look at your dad, bro. <laughs> your dad, Tom Gordon, was was one of like the, those guys who, who had a, he had a, a bit of a, a, you know, a reputation. And he people people respected him. You know, he always had that scowl on. It's not like he would never pitch in. He pitched in different era, though different era but you're in the family like you know stone throwing stones and uh, you know when you live in a glass house here your family the one you're talking about also pitched in so let's yeah. let's relax i i think that was it just sounds like he was pissed off about something else i mean i get if you're pissed off you it was get a bad hit. day yeah. if you get hit and you got to leave a game and you're injured potentially going on the the that IL, sucks. it sucks like and i get no it. i would be pissed off too so yes. totally understandable but i i don't think it was intentional at all 
Um, but this you was want a, to know what was intentional when he took steroids and got suspended. That was intentional. Nah, he what did he, was didn't what was his excuse? Did he not know it was in his like milkshake or something like that? Was I don't he know. One of those guys. I did. He's not, disrespected Jay Hab, so I'm going to disrespect him. I didn't know I couldn't do that. The old Chappelle excuse. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> I didn't know I couldn't do that. Uh, but this was a good game for Hap because they the yes actually talked about this during the game. Hap had struggled pretty much every start out at Yankee Stadium. On the road, he'd been pretty good, but at Yankee Stadium, he got touched up with the exception of that Boston start. So this was a good game for him get back on track. And I don't think there's any trend there because last season he was excellent at Yankee Stadium in the second half of the year. So I don't think it's a, a something where it's like a Sonny Gray where he just can't pitch at Yankee Stadium. I think just the nature of the beast, the nature of the stadium and, and the type of pitcher Hap is, he's a, he's a fastball pitcher who gives up fly balls. Well, at Yankee Stadium, guess what? You're going to give up more home runs when you give up fly balls because it's a shorter ballpark, or it's a shorter uh, stands in a lot of areas of that ballpark. Yeah, he's got to pitch to it. He's got to pitch around it. Plus, I mean, we we talked about this in the past with with Happ and some of his poor performances. I mean, he's had a he was touched up with a little bit of bad luck early in the season with just horrible weather, and um, yeah. So uh, you know, it's good to see that that he was able to come back. And anyway, it's a big game because the Yankees are going for the win against a, a good team after they just, you know, beat a, a team with a winning record. They're trying after to back they that up. After they just got kikuchied the night before. I mean, that after was an ugly kikuchied. loss from many levels with the pine tar with getting blown out. So coming back and winning the series after that happens, I think was a, a big game. You want to know an interesting little tidbit? I, I have a buddy who, um, who I actually met when I was up in Boston for a little bit, and he's a Seattle Mariners fan. He didn't even know anything about the pine tar stuff. He's from Seattle. He's from Washington. Okay. He didn't know anything about the pine tar. The next, Does he like, follow the, the game? The next Does he day. follow the team? Oh, yeah. So oh, if yeah. he's following Seattle outlets, he pro- they was probably not mentioning it? <laughs> they, did, they must not have said anything. Cause- well, I had someone tweet me after, after it happened, after we recorded. So this must have been Friday or something. He tweeted me a picture that he took from a screenshot from a game earlier in the season, and you can see Kikuchi has pine tar under his hat. Yeah, I mean, we, so, we knew, so we knew he thing. was not a first-time offender. But this is the thing. Say that was, I don't know what game it was. Say Kikuchi was pitching against the, the Oakland A's or something. That's not going to go viral like it goes viral when it's with the Yan- against the Yankees. No, Yankees Twitter was on this one. Right. So, was, we, so make more no, we make more noise than the, the Oakland fans. But what we talked about is there's no way this was the first time he was doing it. And there's no way that the, the teams, the inner baseball guys of these teams didn't know, didn't know about this. Right. It's probably so, in their scouting. So report. the Yankees going into that game probably had a note that Kikuchi uses something on his hat, mm-hmm. um, and they chose not to do anything about it, which is understandable. Again, like I get why they don't. We talked about this last episode because who knows what their pitchers are doing? I don't want to open up that can of worms, kind of thing. Right, and that's the thing. I think if you if you start doing that, and you know, you know the unwritten rules of baseball, if you if you rat someone out. Then, then you're a fair game for everybody else to go after. You know that's a, one of those potential unwritten rules. So you you don't want to disturb the inner peace of what the baseball the baseball gods are doing, and the uh, the 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 boys of the game are trying to set these rules. So you don't want to expose yourself or your guys either. Put them in an uncomfortable situation. That's kind of funny though. That like the Seattle media just yeah let's ignore that. That, yeah. that never happened. <laughs> I don't know how much he watched. Like this was the next like the next morning, but. So I don't know how much he had actually watched, but you know, in the broadcast or What'd you at text any point him, that like, night, what the hell? What's your boy up to? No, nah, he te- he texted me bragging about it, and I'm like, okay, I'm like, yeah, wait, good bragging game. about like a like. I said Kikuchi. I said I said 
I say Kikuchi, son of a bitch, or something like that. And he goes, Yeah, he was on. He was on yesterday. I was like, Oh, <laughs> I kind of respect that. Just ignoring it, just trolling <laughs> yeah. you. I kind of like that. <laughs> I don't think he's doing that though. I think he. Uh, I think it might he be definitely... unintentional, but I think it's effective. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I also want to uh, just uh, direct you guys. So I wrote an article about Jordan Montgomery, who we saw throwing at the Yankees minor league complex on Friday, and this is. This is interesting because we hadn't really seen video of him throwing. So he's, uh, he's on track to come back sometime in August if, if nothing goes wrong in his rehab, which is great. We're going to get a lot of players back in August. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be, two, there's gonna be 40, 40 people. Everybody's on, coming on back in August, roster in August. <laughs> um, but I wrote an article and I kind of stumbled upon this. So as I was looking up, Jordan Montgomery's 2017 season, because that was really the full season he had, his rookie season. He he had a great rookie season. Um, I noticed his stat cast metrics were very similar to Jay Happ's. Very similar in almost all categories. Barrel percentage, hard hit percentage, walk rate, strikeout rate. Very, very similar results to Jay Happ, which on the surface of it, fantastic. Jay Happ's a good pitcher. He's been a good pitcher in the American League East for a long time. So if, if that's Jordan Montgomery's potential, like, that's great. Not an ace, not a number one, maybe not a number two, but a really solid number three pitcher. But what I think is interesting, and this is in the article, they're completely different pitchers as far as how they get their results. Because Jordan Montgomery, yeah, he throws his fastball, but maybe 20% of the time. He's a lot of change-ups. His curveball's his best pitch. So he uses his secondary stuff a lot. Jay Happ, on the other hand, has been forcing fastball pretty much his whole career. That's his bread-and-butter pitch. So they go about it in different ways, but they're getting very similar results. I think it was an interesting comp so go check out that article um, the, on the, the way that they do it as well as far as just mechanically is extremely different too because hap hap throws three-quarter lefty yeah. you know you see him he more over his uh you know the angle of his shoulder towards towards first base whereas montgomery is like you know mike mucina as a lefty he goes directly over top and you see him getting on top of that ball and that's why he that had the pettit comparisons yeah and you that's also why the the curveball just looks so much more dramatic because he's coming from such a high angle that you know when it drops off the shelf it really falls uh, a good distance but no i mean that's what you you were shitting on me when i was comparing it to keichel of now and i I still think that kind of plays i mean well if if monty were to come back and you see what similar numbers to that then you're getting you know a relatively similar to what you'd think you'd get from keichel but maybe maybe i know the track record's not there that's about now keichel but pete keichel Oh, I was certainly never referring to Pete Keiko. Pete okay. Keiko was like our arch nemesis. He okay, dis- that's fair. That, that's, that's more fair. I, I think what we, when you had said it the first time, I was like, well, Prime Keiko was much better than Jay oh, Hopp yeah, or yeah, John yeah. Montgomery. Wasn't referring to Prime. All right. So like we said, yeah, two out of three in Tampa, a big series. And I think the Friday night game was, you could tell there was a little bit more juice for both of those teams. You, they knew it was a big series, even though it was only the middle of May. But this was an intense game, and it was back and forth the whole time. And really, the pivotal point in that game, the turning point, was when Adovino comes in in the seventh inning, and he loads the bases with no outs. At that point in the game, the Yankees have a one-run lead. Loads the bases, nobody out. He couldn't control his slider. He was leaving it outside to left-handed batters. It was not biting. And no one was warming up until the bases were loaded. And on the one hand, I'm like, all right, you can clearly see this guy doesn't have it. What are you doing? But the alternative is Jonathan Holder was warming up. So I'm like, God, do, do I want to go to Jonathan Holder in a bases loaded situation where I want to try and like squeak it out here with uh, Adovino? He left Adovino in. 
ends up striking out Pham and getting a massive double play up the middle on a nice play by LeMahieu. It was a really nice play by LeMahieu making that unassisted. And that's a tough that's a tough read. Go to the bag yourself, make the quick flip and try to get that that double play, but he he you know, he went to the bag himself, took that extra step and that's you know, it's so bang bang, you just have to feel that thing out. It's all instincts at that point and then making a strong throw cuz that's a hard throw across your body yeah. with your momentum going towards home plate and and uh, putting some juice on it to get to first base. So that was a great play. Adovino was pumped up. Um, LeMahieu, you know, just business as usual. <laughs> I guess he's, he I was going to say, LeMahieu, did he maybe cracked a smile? Maybe. <laughs> maybe <laughs> but, he packed a lip after that. You know, it's interesting because when you're looking at these bases loaded jams, we've we've seen it a couple times now in the last couple of weeks when Boone stays with the guy. And uh, Britain was, it was a couple of weeks ago when, Brit- or last week even, Britain walked three guys he was allowed. He walked two guys. Allowed to pitch to the third guy. Walked him. Was loaded this the bases in himself. San Fran? Was that the San Fran? Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to remember if it was San Fran or, or Anaheim. But it was one. It was one of those. One of those games. And uh, but he he stayed with him. He's he's showing that he's staying with these guys, even if even if they're not at their best or you know have the most control. He still thinks in these high pressure situations that they're they're able to do it. So I just I think it's interesting and it's more of the evolution of Boone and just me like putting down notes in the back of my head of what he's doing throughout the season because you know this was one of those situations where if he did this in the playoffs we'd be killing him that that Adovino is still in in this situation. It's all about what happens, right? Yeah. If Adovino doesn't well, get out of it, he gives up a bases clearing double. You're saying what the hell? Of course, but but you're also okay, playing so- with. You're playing with with very. I don't like looking at that at the same time too because that's the only way to look at it. But when you're looking at the Britain situation, Britain had walked two guys, and then the decision was to leave Britain in or take him out. And it was it was San Francisco because he was up against uh, Belt, who was a lefty, and he, he, br- kept he him. took him out. He pulled him. No, he no, he let him pitch to Belt because uh, because Brit- he was a lefty and okay. let him in because Adovino was coming in, and Adovino came in and made the um, and got okay. out of the jam anyway. But he walked the guy. So, so did that work or did that not work? They out of, you know, got out of the inning when he, after he walked the guy, but the actual at bat that he let him st- stay in, he walked the guy. So he put himself in more of a situation either way. It doesn't matter at this point because they both worked out. I'm just saying you're playing with fire. And if we start seeing this in the playoffs, getting greedy, leaving CC in to get to the bottom of the order, things like that. Like I just, it's, it's a, it's getting a little cute for me you can and get, it you- worked this time, but it's playing with fire. I also think this might be a product of the fact that the Yankees are down two of the bullpen arms they thought were going to be there all year. And Chad Green, I know Chad Green comes came back, but he wasn't on the roster in, in this game, and he's been bad. And and Batances. So yeah. if you have Chad Green and Batances being who you expect them to be, on top of Chapman, Britton, Ottavino, and Canely, and I know Canely was an unexpected surprise this year, so maybe the the Canely and Green thing is almost a wash, right? Yeah, I think Canely and Green are a wash because <clears> but Canely was... you're still down a Batances at that point. So the the other interesting thing you said Holder warming up in the seventh when Adovino loaded the bases. Well, they used Britton and Chapman. So Britton, so Holder was coming in ahead of Britton in that in that inning as well. Uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, I don't know. Again, what... these are just notes I'm, I'm putting in the back of my head. I'm not saying they're negative or positive. I, I think it's just interesting because everybody likes to look at what Boone does in the uh, postseason. And I think it's, it, it's important for us to just you know register the information to see how he's doing things during the regular season because it's, it's going to be 
indicative of what he does. It's it's just showing more of who he is and what what he's becoming. I think throughout the uh, you know his career as a, as a manager and. You know, obviously, we're in year two of Aaron Boone, and I think he's learned a lot and progressed in a lot of ways. I think you could tell that the game is is uh, yeah, I don't even know if this is a real thing, but slowed down for him. Is that is that is that uh? Yeah, that's what enough? they say. That's what is that's that cliche that's enough very for cliche. you. Yeah, that's why but, the guys who succeed in the postseason, the, the the game doesn't speed up on him. But Scott. as a manager, the game has slowed down for him. The strategy of the game has slowed down for him. Yeah. He's like ahead of the game. But I, I do think it's interesting to see how he is using the bullpen. Um, because it's going to be a storyline throughout. What I think the holder situation was for is so he loads, Adovino loads the bases. I think at, he, Boone had every intention of letting Adovino pitch until he at least, pop up. Until, yes. I think the only way Holder's getting in that game is if Adovino gave up two or three runs there and then they just need someone to get out of the inning. Because yeah. otherwise, there's no way that Holder is ahead of the depth chart on then Britain. So right. if you're really just looking to get out of the jam with the lead intact, or at the very least in a tie game, you don't go to Holder. You go to Britain in that situation. Or, Britain was or, still sitting on the bench. Or they're saying that Britain, you know, with potential command issues this year, which he has had He's more had, of. He had uh, on um, Sunday. Yep. He he put two guys on on Sunday. So that that's also a thing where they wanted to see Britain with a clean inning rather than. You know, in a in a jam, maybe Holder is a uh, in Boone's eyes a better. A better opportunity to get out of a jam than Britain with with uh, you know his walks. I don't know. And the game on Friday, it was a huge win for the reason that the fact that Canely, Ottavino, Britain, and Chapman all pitched that made two days in a row. So they were very unlikely to pitch in Saturday's game. You're going with a short bullpen on Saturday with a starting pitcher that we know doesn't go deep, Sabathia. So you're you're really in a bad spot. If they had blown Friday night's game. It would have been a really tough game on Saturday. Then you're like, oh, shit, we got to win this game, and we're probably not going to win it. Whereas right. Friday, once the once you saw the, how the game was evolving and they were going to have to use all their big guys, became almost like a must-win game. Well, yeah, and also because it was, what, the third time out for a lot of them, and so they're, they were going to be completely unavailable on Saturday as well. So, That's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. You're going with a, a short bullpen, a known short bullpen. And, and, you know, you're going up against Glass now, who's their number one pitcher this year. I mean, I know Snell's their 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 ace, probably, you know, if anybody asks who's their number one pitcher is within their organization, they would say Snell. But Glass now was coming in with a big momentum, uh, lowest ERA in the league. Again, six wins coming in. Those are earned six wins with that ERA. Like, the guy has been pitching well. So they got through their number one guy. Yes, he ended up going on the IL afterwards. So that potentially did have something to come into it. But they knew Snell was also on Sunday. So you lose that game. Then you're going in short on Saturday. And then you got Snell on Sunday. Potential disaster in Tampa. Absolutely. Got to win that game at that point. Yeah. Yeah, And I think it set the tone. Even Saturday was a punt game almost. And they could have won it. It was a tie game into the sixth inning. And then just a weird inning in the sixth inning because LeMahieu, there's a couple plays that he does not make. Where is a throw down to second base? Sanchez is throwing down to second base. Sanchez gets the error, but it's a ball that LeMahieu, even after the game, said, I have to catch. And he didn't catch it. So that's one. And then there was two plays up the middle where LeMahieu, one of them, he's out of position because of a shift. The other one, it's just like it's in a weird spot. And he, he doesn't make the plays. They're not errors. He just doesn't make the plays at first base. You're, we're just so we've become conditioned to LeMahieu doing everything right. 
when he doesn't right. do something right, we're like, oh, what the hell happened? A glitch in but the that's matrix. not even not not him doing it right too. It's also out of position or just no, he just you know, doesn't at, make he just didn't potentially make the asking play. too much, asking too much for for a guy like that. To make well, that play after well. the game, he said, I need to make those plays, and that's yeah, maybe exactly not the what Lemahieu, that's exactly what Lemayhu's going to say though. Every time sure. he's going to say, I need to make those plays. It doesn't matter if the thing is like what it is. It's a ball. He's got to run out to center field to catch it. He's going to say, I got to make that play. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, and and he had a home run. That's two. I'm getting closer to 20 now. One, yeah, he's on a one per month pace. <laughs> this is no. He's he's hitting it early. He hit it early in May now. So we he's he's fighting that power stroke. Okay. This was a this was a home run to dead center field. It was. Okay? It was. I was surprised that he yeah. put one out because Tampa's not a small park. No, and and uh, and Chirinos, who I believe was pitching, knew it immediately too. Like that was a no doubter by by Lemayhu. So Lemayhu scaring scaring opponents. Uh, their pitching staff, everybody's down looking 18 at him. to go. I, I like it. I think he, he's gonna, you know, the the wall, the the weather's gonna get warmer. The balls gonna start flying. Those they're gonna go over right field. So yeah, I, I'm expecting a big home run production from Lemayhu in the second half. The other thing from this game is Voigt gets plunked right after that Lemayhu homer, and CC he this was the sixth inning. He had was pretty much done at that point. He knew. So you could tell he had a big fat lipper in. He's, he's itching on the on the top step. He is just give me an excuse to brawl right now. <laughs> give me a friggin' excuse. Mm-hmm. And after the game, he he was pissed. Uh, Meredith asked him about it, and he and he goes, "It's stupid. I mean, we did this last year. What do what are you guys doing? It, there's one guy you don't mess with is Sabathia, and I I would not be surprised. They didn't do it then. They didn't do it in this series, which I think is smart." You're kind of you want to make a statement by winning the series. You're not trying to make a statement by plunking anybody at this point. So if so, there's going to be a retaliation, it might happen next weekend at Yankee Stadium. Right. Yeah. Well, and also CC was out of the game, right? So they're like, oh, we're not CC. CC would definitely throw at us. But now, but now especially he's on not Saturday, where it's a tie game and you're down three bullpen guys anyway, you're not trying to get ejected from a game. Right. Well, so that's the thing. Like, the the game was was tied. Do you think that Voight got plunked intentionally? Because Sanchez got, got hit looked, as well, which I think, like, I looked at that replay a thousand times, and it, it barely even looks like he got hit. I, so from a from a logic standpoint, it makes no sense for Chirinos to hit him. It's, there's no outs, and you just gave up a game-tying home run. Why would you willingly put a guy on base? But it was so blatantly up and in, like, right after a home run on a fastball right up to the shoulder, like, so on one hand, I'm like, nah, there's no way that he would be stupid enough to hit a guy in that scenario. On the other hand, I'm like, looking with my eyes, that looked intentional. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's an anger, like frustration pitch that got away personally. But, you know, I like the fact that uh, they all think it hit him on purpose. So that's good. This is good fuel. I think they should take it. And I think they should uh, use that at Yankee Stadium. And let's get some fire going. I like I like fire. I like emotion. I like people pissed off at each other. Makes more fun to watch. I don't think the Gary Sanchez was intentional. Gary Sanchez was definitely not intentional. His hands were practically over the plate. So that's the flip side argument. I'm still not even a thousand convinced that it hit him. The flip side argument is that Chirinos didn't have his command, and that's why the ball got away from him. Oh, and there was a home run also hit the um, the batter before that too. So obviously didn't pitch the ball where he wanted it to. <laughs> so maybe, I don't know, maybe the ball wasn't going where he wanted it to. All I know is I, I'm listening to the post-game comments of Sabathia and Luke Voigt, and they talked about it like it was intentional. Because you see a home run, leave the park, tie game, next guy gets hit. Obviously, you think it's intentional. It feels intentional. Something good just happened, and now you hit us. Why? And you- if they're talking about it internally with each other, like it's like it's intentional, then I expect there to be some something down the line. Probably, yeah. If 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 they thought it was intentional, then they have to 
they will stand up for that. There's no doubt. Uh, Glaber Torres. So I've noticed he's making mental errors again. Yeah. So he ran through a stop sign on uh, on Saturday. Ended up scoring, which is funny. Uh, he gets caught off second base. He gets picked off on a throw behind him. The catcher throws behind him, and he gets caught off second base. There's just there's just mental lapses, and I don't want to say it's it's. Uh, I don't. He doesn't have an attitude problem. It's nothing like a Gary Sanchez thing where it's just like he's not hustling. Nothing like that. It's just we noticed this last. Gary Sanchez year was hurt. Okay. Right. Was, there was no hustle. There was no hustle gate. We talked about this last year with Glaber, and it was when he was not fully healthy in the second half. But we we, we just felt like there was moments in games where he lost focus and lost concentration, and, and and mistakes like getting picked off at second base or running through a stop. How do you run through a stop sign? Yeah, you don't look at your coach. That's the second time he didn't look at his coach because I, I forget what game it was. It might have been Friday or one of the games against Seattle where. Um, I think it was a game against Seattle. Nevin was waving him home, and he wasn't looking at him, and he just stopped at third base. Yeah, that, no, I mean that's a real thing. Like guys not picking up their coach, and and they're just either running with their head down or looking that's back at a play. It's not it's, acceptable. It's, it's not. It's not really what you're supposed to do as a professional baseball player on the base paths. You're supposed to be looking at the other, you know, professionals that are coaching you, and uh, and giving you signs on what to do because they have a, you know, they have a good view of what's happening. Yeah. And as you're running rounding second base. It's hard to see what's happening unless the ball is. In and front if you of just you do right what field. your coach says, and if it doesn't work out, guess what? No one blames you; they blame the coach. Yeah. If he's waving you home and you get thrown out at home, the coach gets blamed. You don't get blamed. Unless yeah, Luke Voigt, Luke, Nobody was yelling at Luke Voigt when he got thrown out by you know thirty feet. Right. Unless you trip and fall on your face, like yeah, then you got sniped. Yeah. But if you run through a sign and you get pegged, now we got to talk to you. Now we got to <laughs> blame you. So what do you think this is with Glaber? I just think it's it's exactly like you said. It's a it's a lack of just a little mental lapse. I think it's a you know almost an immaturity thing. It's just still he floats, he's not a rookie. I anymore. think he floats off sometimes. I mean, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's thinking of uh, of of a fight he and his girl had, or or a good time he and his girl had, or he's looking in the dugout because someone's being funny, or he sees something in the stands, or you know he's worried about one of the Tampa lights falling on his head, or you know I don't know what it is. I think maybe he just mentally floats occasionally. And, and loses that little bit of focus, I'm not worried about it. It's just one of those things I think that sometimes young players do. And um, it, it's weird that it happens to him noticeably, you know, because I think some guys can get away with it, but I, it's like the situation finds him when he's floating. <laughs> well, we kind of, when he first came up, he looked like the most polished veteran we'd ever seen. And he yeah. was 21 years old, and we're like, holy crap. Like this but these guy, happen out of nowhere and like very sporadically too. It's not like bunches. all the time. It's almost like mental. They happen. His mental mistakes happen in bunches. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I don't know. It's just it's, something it's, I noticed over the weekend. Um, and yeah, you're right. The, the next thing that is going to happen in the trop is one of those catwalks is going to fall. Or one of the, the ceilings just going to collapse in. It's going to deflate like someone let the air out of it. A, a ray of sunshine is going to burn a hole through the middle of it and will we'll shine down on the on the stadium. I don't know what the hell is going to happen in that place. I don't Tanaka. trust it. I don't trust it. I'm going to be walking in with a hard hat on June 6th, July 6th. <laughs> Tanaka, he showed up in a moment they, they really needed him. It was, a, it was going for the series win against Blake Snell, and he, man, did he nut up. He pitched seven innings on just 73 pitches. I thought maybe he would have gone longer. Um, maybe he was on a short leash since the sixth inning when he, got, he did give up the runs. He did get hit a little bit in the sixth inning. But he did back that up with a four-pitch seventh. 
So exactly what the Yankees needed out of him, a, a dominant start. And the splitter, which we talked about last time, had been getting crushed all year. 182 batting average against. Hitters were 2 for 11 on his splitter. He threw 27 of them on Sunday. And he struck three of his strikeouts were on his splitter. So his splitter was more like the classic Tanaka split. Yeah, and you know, 73 pitches is efficient. Uh, that's that's exactly what you want him around the plate because when he's around that plate with his fastball and the other pitches, you start to see the splitter more effective as well. And I think that you know he threw it a lot. Uh, he threw it a lot. I mean, you look at that percentage: 27 pitches of of 73. Like that's that's a solid amount of splitters. Um, and you know, maybe he reversed it for for a start and saying, hey, I'm going to work off of this if I can throw it, and and uh, if I can throw it effectively, then you know, it can almost work as a fastball. You can do that occasionally, I think, if you're not, if you're, if you're working off of your secondary pitch, and and start throwing your fastball more as a, um, a, a complementary to your to your splitter. I think you could occasionally do that. You certainly can't live like that. But if you're having trouble with a pitch, and and that's you know you're looking at what you've done all season long, and that's the the splitter is where he's struggled, going to that splitter and and making it more of a predominant pitch and working off of that even. It's it's kind of like you know, gaming the the opponent. You know what I mean? Like they know to to, to spit on it. They know if it's low in the zone, um, that they can spit on it. But now he's throwing it for strikes. Now he's throwing it a little bit differently, more consistently, more more um, more often. Then you know it becomes a better pitch. We kind of talked about that last episode. Like why aren't hitters swinging at it? There's we were used to hitters swinging over the top of the splitter, and now they're either hitting it which means he's leaving leaving it up in the zone or they're just not swinging at it at all. It was kind of weird what was going on. Yeah, and when whenever whenever Tanaka's up in the zone, you know, things are bad. So, um if he's staying low in the zone where the fastball is low and then you're working off that effective splitter, that's good stuff. So, he definitely threw it a lot more than he normally does, which which is interesting. And I, and I think that could be just a, you know, a game tactic and scouting reports for what these guys were or them just trying to mix it up and and to go with something that Tampa maybe wasn't expecting. Yeah, and maybe the key to Tanaka's success was he slept on a sleep number bed on Saturday night. I'm sure, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he got a great great sleep. Maybe you've considered a sleep number bed but thought you couldn't afford one, but can you really afford another restless night's sleep? There's never been a better time to save on proven quality sleep. Now, during the Memorial Day sale, a Queen 360 smart bed starts at only $999. Scott, I know you got some house guests right now, and they're sleeping on those sleep number pillows, so they're probably going to wake up nice and rested. Um, and also, if you uh, are sharing a bed with somebody, couples disagree on mattress firmness. Sleep number beds let you choose your ideal firmness on each side, so it's just right for the both of you. The sleep number 360 smart beds are so smart, they sense your every move and automatically adjust to you, keeping you sleeping comfortably throughout the night. Sleep Number has been ranked highest in customer service and satisfaction with mattresses by J.D. Power and has the 2018 award. Uh, you can go check out their information on jdpower.com. Again, Andrew noted, mentioned this. I got family in town. They're all sleeping on Sleep Number uh, pillows. A couple of them got the mattress, so everybody is, is well-rested, except for now they're waking up because Kemp is awake and they're babysitting, which is, which is great. So they're well-rested to take care of a toddler come in memorial there's a memorial day sale and save over a thousand dollars on a sleep number 360 special edition smart bed for temperature balancing comfort at an exceptional value sleep number is the official sleep and wellness partner of the nfl you'll only find sleep number at 
any of the three 575 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Find the nearest one uh, closest to you at sleepnumber.com slash Bronx. So what are we? We're like an hour, we're like 30 minutes, 35 minutes into this podcast and people who are listening are probably like, how are these two not mentioned Gio or Shelley yet? Yeah. I mean, because it's become every, it, it's, it's not different. It's I, not new. I don't know how to explain Gio or Shella, and I've decided I'm done trying to explain Gio or Shella. I'm just going to enjoy the moments because I still think they're not going to last. I'm, I'm not a hater. I'm just being realistic about this, but I'm what I'm watching on the field is defying logic. So I'm just going to enjoy the Gio Urshela movement in the Bronx right now. So I don't know. You you start you start getting to a point now where you see a guy that's that's um, building up a sample size, building up uh, sample size in in certain situations, runners in scoring position being yeah. one of them, and and now you we all know what he's done with the glove. We've heard about off-season winter adjustments with what he's doing at the plate, the approach at the plate. And you're seeing a guy that's hitting the the peak of his athletic career, right? Like that you you hit your peak of your athletic career in your late 20s. There are there are plenty of guys that that has said, you know, physically I feel the best I've ever felt. I am uh, you know, able to do things differently now. I feel more confident. I feel good with my body the where I am. My my def- defense is taking care of itself. I'm going to focus on the offense. And we saw uh, we're seeing now, I think, the the fruit of what the labors have done in the offseason. This this man has has made adjustments uh-huh. and and has given an opportunity, been given an opportunity, and now is taking advantage of it. So so why are we to say that this isn't the new Gio Rochella and this is here to stay? Because he's 27 years old and he spent two years in Cleveland and he had a 56 OPS plus. That means he he was he was less than he was half of what a major league player should have been. And then he went to Toronto for a year, and he had a 70 OPS plus. So he's 30% worse than the league average. And now he's with the Yankees. He's got a 144 OPS plus. He's 44% better than the league average. I, it just doesn't line up. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it is the new Gio Urshela, but I don't know if I'm ready to say that after a month and a half. What I am ready to say is the Yankees need to ride this hot hand. He's doing things... He's coming through in the clutch, like you mentioned, runners in scoring position. He's hitting 407 with runners in scoring position, 11 for 27 with 12 RBIs. He's coming up with big hits. It's not just, oh, he's driving in runs when it doesn't matter. Thursday, uh, a two RBI single for insurance runs that the Yankees ended up needing because Chapman gives up a home run late in that in that game. Hit a ball that that was up near his eyeballs and down the right field line. It's like I how do these angles? The geometry doesn't make it doesn't make any sense how he hit that ball. That's then, the ball that, that that hit Gary Sanchez on Saturday. Yeah, and then and then the the go ahead RBI single in the sixth inning on Friday it was the difference in the game, the offensive difference in the game on on Friday in Tampa, and then and then more insurance runs with a double on Sunday in Tampa. He's coming through every game. He's been phenomenal, unbelievable, and the ball that he hit on Thursday night is just one of those, like holy shit moments. Like I can't believe he got that. I can't believe he got the barrel on that ball. Can't believe he hit it with with any kind of force down the line. Like the guy played that pitch. First of all, I don't know why you're swinging at that pitch. Like there's there's just a whole bunch of things, but it doesn't matter because he did. He he chopped it in the right field, and he it was a humongous hit. So um, he's coming through in the clutch. He's, he's doing big things. We have notes in here. Runners in scoring position, 
he's hitting 407, 11 for 27 with 12 RBIs. That is a guy who is confident at the plate, who who people are pitching to as well, walking walking guys to get to Gio Urshela, and he's making them pay. So the guy's confident up at the plate, not not only in in uh, you know non-pressure situations, but you put him in a pressure situation. And he's hitting balls that that you know most major league guys are not making contact with. It's after the game on Friday, Adovino called him the team MVP so far. Do you agree wow. with that? I disagree with that. I I'd still say to this point it's been Lemayhew. Yeah. Um, but Urshela's a close second. You know, there's it's hard to put it on one guy because there's been such a next man up mentality where the team has really rallied behind everybody else you know yeah. there's just it seems like there's another guy and like Urshel has been that guy a lot um but it's hard to it's hard to give a one mvp award to, to so far what they've what they've done because you know domingo herman definitely has got to be up there as well with with a guy that's solidified that rotation when it's been in shambles at certain points so there's a lot of guys i think there's a lot of credit to go around but yeah he's one of them and it's gonna start getting interesting interesting because we're gonna see guys coming back soon hicks is coming back they say monday so as tonight's Today. game Yep. Um, but some point this week he'll be back. He was rehabbing in Scranton. Someone's going to go down. It's going to be Talkman or Mabin. Uh, my my bet is Talkman. I mean, Talkman needs to go down. <laughs> I don't give. I've seen people on on uh, on social media talking about. Oh, he's a lefty. Let's let's keep him up because he's who gives a shit. He's a lefty that doesn't know how to swing the bat. Like, you know who yeah, else is a lefty? He's gotten a hit occasionally. Hicks, you know who else? Hicks, yeah. yeah, Hicks can sw- can hit lefty. So yeah, I'm not worried about the the lineup construction. With Mike Talkman in the lineup, that's not something I'm concerned about. Big hit off uh, Blake Snell Sunday. Yeah, almost great. hit it out, two inches away from hitting it out. I'm glad he got that hit. That's you know that's that's good. We'll take that hit. He was very emotional standing on second base, and the reason I think is because he knows he's getting sent down once Hicks comes up. Well, he knows he's up against the wall. You know, he just uh, as I as I quote our our boy Aaron Judge as I wear the T-shirt, his back is against the wall because there are people coming back, and he's got to show that he's the guy. And because he's got a lefty bat, does that make him more attractive? Maybe it's know. been good. Maybe. I don't know. I don't think maybe so. It's, I, maybe like it's you been said, very good. You can't go lefty-righty. You're not constructing no. the last man on your roster because no. he's a lefty or a righty. When you look at the the um, the numbers back-to-back, and both can play outfield positions, and both can play outfield positions well, and Mabin has hit, and he's he's a good base runner. Talkman. He's hitting like 200, and I know he's had a couple of moments where he's hit. He's had a couple, he had a big home run. He's um, been better at home, and he's been on the road because the he he plays the Yankee Stadium where he can get the ball out of the stadium, you know, better than any in any other park. I think it's going to be an outfielder that goes down just from pure roster construction standpoint, and I think it's going to be Talkman. I know, I believe, believe he still has options. And I don't know Mabin's situation. I know he came over from Cleveland where he was in the minors. So his his situation might be they can't send him down. I, I don't – I should probably know that. And I don't know that. But I think it's going to be Talkman. Kind of a wild card in all of this is Andujar. He's not looked right at the plate. His bat looks slow. He's not – he's been mostly DHing. When he's in the field, he doesn't look right in the field either. I don't know. Maybe they send Andujar down just to get more – rehab games just to get <laughs> rehab games or just to get right down in in Scranton I don't think they're going to do that it, that would be that would be a really interesting move if they did that just so they could get more at bats and get some playing time um and uh and work his kinks out not at the major league level but you know who are we playing who are we playing at home Baltimore 
Right. So what's the difference in sending you down to Scranton or playing against the Baltimore Orioles at home? Actually, I think it would be better for him to play against the Baltimore Orioles in front of the Yankee Stadium crowd to get your mojo back because you could build a lot more confidence. You're going up against the AAA lineup anyway. Might as well do it at Yankee Stadium. Get that momentum. Find out uh, you know, how you can work out those kinks and, and, and get back on track. So I think it's actually a really good opportunity for Andujar to work through some struggles with the Baltimore Orioles coming into town. Because we're not losing a game to the Baltimore Orioles. Should not lose a game to the Baltimore Orioles for the rest of the season. And then my prediction will be accurate. And then pretty much all of my predictions will be accurate. But you're not gonna you're not gonna with what we just talked about with our sheller, you're not gonna see Andujar playing much third base. No, I don't care. He could play he can he could DH. They can work him in. In fact, they can uh, you know, Urshela could DH as well. They could see they could see some some mixing around, but I think they're gonna get him at bats against the Baltimore Orioles. If he doesn't go down to screen, which I don't I don't expect it, it wouldn't surprise me like completely, but it would surprise me. Uh I expect them to get him in a lot against the Baltimore Orioles. That's that's the team you get him in on to, yeah. to work this stuff out. Because look, the Yankees, you're expecting Ursula to not this to not be sustainable. You know, I think most people who have seen what he's done and have seen things don't expect him to continue this. Or there's the other side, and they're saying maybe he's Luke Voigt and he does continue this. And the guy does continue to be productive, and Cashman's just a wizard. And that's also very possible and probably true to some extent. But the team is better when Andujar is hitting. There's no doubt about we that. I don't think anybody the, uh, would argue. We haven't seen the Cashman uh, get on your knees and, and praise Cashman articles yet about Gio Urshela. We saw them about Luke Voigt where all the nerds, this the nerds knew the underlying metrics on Luke because Voigt. Because the nerds knew. don't want him to do well. Because the nerds don't want Urshela to continue this. Why? Because then they, are then, because then they get thrown out the window. Why oh, the nerd, would why, the nerd the metrics get thrown out yeah, the window? If why Gio would the Urshela nerds a, yeah. the nerds the nerds <laughs> the nerds all hate Gio Urshela right now? They're like, this guy is ruining our lives. He's making us <laughs> he's feel spitting small. in the face of sabermetrics. Yeah, he's saying the the nerd in the tunnel is stupid. Has no idea what he's doing. He could take his little his glasses and his computer and get the hell out of my face because I'm better than these numbers. And he's just he's proving to everybody else what. They, uh, you know, what the scouts saw. The scouts saw something. The scouts saw what he was doing differently in the winter. The adjustments that he was making, and they saw that he was going to make these adjustments. The nerds didn't. I am, as we've been talking for the last like three minutes, I've been trying to look up player options, and I cannot find them. So, if anyone knows where to find that stuff, let me know. But Stanton. So, th- I think Andujar stays on the roster. But I think when Stanton come, when and if Stanton comes back, like when, we don't know because we don't have a timetable on Stanton. He's giving cryptic interviews after games where he's he's yeah I saw specialists and and he doesn't really answer any questions directly and we don't know how long his uh rehab is really going to take at this point Boone said there's no timetable on Stanton but he is set to do limited baseball activities so Stanton could be two weeks away he could be four weeks away he could be two months away I have no clue no one has any clue but I think once Stanton comes back let's just let's just say uh a month from now June 15th Stanton comes back and Duhar's still trying to figure stuff out. That's when we get a time where it's like, all right, and they got to make a decision on, in a, on Andujar. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, make a decision on him. Like the, like they're going to, maybe he's still injured. Maybe the, the labrum is, is yeah, part who of who knows a, if he's not hitting, then what there's no really point to Andujar if he's not hitting. <laughs> yeah. That's just wow. the reality of it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a fair, it's a fair t- assessment when you're talking about a player that's, 
known for his offense. And and you have a guy that's playing gold glove caliber defense that's currently playing in the same position right now that's also hitting um, is, uh, you know, people have been talking about Wally Pip and this whole thing. Like, you know, while, is he getting no, Wally Pip right now? I don't think he's getting Wally Pip because, because if this continues and he's and, and, and Urshela continues to hit like this and plays that defense, I mean, nobody – is this a real conversation that we're having? Because it's going to be at some point. If, if Maybe this he's getting Wally pipped for 2019, but I don't think he's getting Wally pipped for 2020 and, and and beyond. So, so if Urshela continues this the entire season, and and Andujar does not come back fully healthy, and Urshela is is now a guy that that can play, uh, play at an offensive level that's respectable and above average on on a major league level. And, but plays also a gold glove defense. You're telling me that that's not going to go into the back of their minds. Of and course play, it will. Play, not, not into the back of their minds, in the forefront of their minds. Yeah. And be on the back pages of all the newspapers saying, okay, now this is the guy. Why wouldn't it be the guy? Then what will happen is Andujar and Urshela will come in battling for third base in 2020. Yeah. Well, there's no other place to put Andujar. That's the thing. There's, I mean, Urshela is a third baseman. We haven't seen him play anywhere else. We know he's a third baseman. Could he the go only to other first place? Base? Probably. The only other place for Andujar other than DH is first base. And if but we've Luke never Vo- seen that. If Luke Voigt is um, okay, we've never seen it. But um, he can play first base. I'm sure if you give him an offseason, he can play first base. Luke Voigt can play first base, and that dude sucks at okay. at defense. So Arod, who was a Gold Glove fielder at shortstop, but he play. tried to do it in the middle of a season, and he was 41 years old at that point. What I'm saying is, you're dealing with Luke Voigt's very mediocre defense at first base you would deal with you dealt with mediocre to below average defense at third base last year in Duhar because he was raking so if he if he is gonna hit again you're gonna put him in the lineup somewhere yeah I guess so you're just you know you're 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 being you're being forced to to make him a DH essentially that's what you're doing. The problem and, and is they have the Stanton. Yankees, they have yes. Stanton who wants who they want to DH a bunch they want to give other guys Gary half Sanchez Aaron Gary Judge Sanchez. yeah all these guys that they need time at DH. I yeah. mean, who? What's but Greg Bird's there too? Don't worry, he's coming back too. Remember, uh, I I don't even remember who asked me this question. Um, over under on at bats for Greg Bird the rest of his Yankees career twenty five. What are you taking? Twenty five. I think I'm going to take the over because I think it not seems spring like, training at bats. Those don't count. I think this is the last year we're going to see him. So you think he's going to get more than twenty five at bats the rest of the year? I think I he's going to come back, and um, and it's if if he That's comes like five back, five games. Think, That's like five games. Yeah, if he comes back, I think he's going to get them, and and it seems like he's coming back at this okay. point. He's walking on a treadmill now. <laughs> <laughs> That's his rehab. He's walking on a treadmill. <laughs> Sounds like Jacoby Ellsbury. Uh, meanwhile, Didi is just uh, running circles Thrusting around everybody through, yeah. in in rehabbing. Uh, he's going to start DHing in extended spring games on May twentieth, and this got me thinking. So what if Didi, uh, they bring Didi back a couple weeks early, earlier than they would have otherwise, and he just DHs? It's stupid. <laughs> that's so the what Angels are doing right? with Otani. Yeah, but Otani is, that's such a weird situation over there in the first place. Like, I, I don't even know why they're messing around with him being a two, two-way player. There's definitely something in that contract. Because at this point, like, I, last year when he blew out his arm, or his elbow, I thought for sure, like, that's it. We're done seeing him as a pitcher. This guy's going to hit now. Obviously, they're trying to build him back up as a pitcher, but he's still going to hit. I'm just, it's confusing to me what they're doing. So that 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 leads me to believe that there's something in the contract where they, they made a deal with him and saying, we will stick to this for X amount of time. 
because logically it makes no sense. You're just you're playing with fire. Um, Didi coming in just to hit makes no sense, especially with our, the roster that we have, the amount of infielders that are are here and outfielders and like people coming back and like now we're gonna fit another guy into the DH spot. No, they're gonna wait till Didi is fully healthy, which he probably already is. We're just waiting for it because he's a bionic man and he excels at everything he does. Well, he's in life. only starting to play an extended spring game. That's just so because they're letting play. him play now. He's been probably like. Okay, you know, but what I'm saying, he's going to play a couple weeks of extended spring games. He's going to get some action at shortstop. Then he's going to go to probably Scranton and play a week of games before he comes back. It's still a little ways away. They're saying yes. it could be as late as as early as late June. Yeah, I predicted June was the, when he was going to come back. That was my prediction in the offseason. And I, I, I said May would not surprise me, which it wouldn't, because I still think that like this kid, this he's ridiculous uh, in everything he does. So, And I think rehab, why wouldn't DD over it? Overachieve in, in rehabbing his own body. Of course, he's going to overachieve. All right, let's make a little let's make a little bet. What date right. do you think he's coming back? Uh, I mean, I think it's going to be June. I think it'll. I think it will be in in June. I think he's going to come back. Well, that's not a date. June is not a date. <laughs> okay, fine. June, June. Let me look at the schedule so I can give you a game. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm so doing. Let's um, let's put some uh, some Mike Francesa airtime out right now. Uh, so I think this is what's going to happen. He is going to come back July 2nd at the New York Mets. That is after the Yankees come back from London. Oh, see, okay. He's going to be there for London. He's going to play in the London games. I don't think he's going to play in the London games. I think he's going to play right Sir after they come Didi. back. Sir Didi is definitely playing in the London games. The Yankees have... Um, that's a good point. The Yankees have a weird schedule in that time because they have two off days before the London games and they have an off day after the London games. So the first game back after London is July 2nd at the Mets. So that's that's the that's what I'm predicting. Okay. Uh, I got you right here. Old Timers Day is Sunday the 23rd. That's, that's Houston. Then they have uh, a day set against Toronto. Huh? Then they have yeah. Then they have a set against Toronto. I think Didi will be up in the stadium for Old Timers Day, so that he can go and schmooze with all the boys, and that he will play in the Toronto series. And we're gonna make sure that Didi's okay because he's gonna play in the Toronto series. Maybe he won't play the whole series, but he'll play a game or two because then he's got two days off to see how his body feels to go into the to the games in London because he's definitely gonna play in those games in London if he's physically able because he's Sir Didi and it just makes too much sense. That's why. So you're predicting, and he's going to draw Big Ben. He's going to be on the road with the boys. You're telling me he doesn't want to go to that. He's going to sure go. He to wants that. to go. He could go to that. He just might nope. not play. So you're saying he, he's not going to go. He's not going to go if he's not with the team. Why? And he's, if he's not going to be with the team because he's going to be rehabbing. You're rehabbing. You're right. You're right. I'm so that's I'm so I'm looking at I'm, I'm looking at him in the building for the Houston series, probably coming up that with the end of that, so we can play on Monday, and uh, he'll play with, against Toronto. And then he'll be ready for Boston uh, in London. You're just, so you're predicting three days before me. I'm predicting a month before you. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, June. <laughs> June to July. Okay. That's, that's some. Uh... All right. G- Chad Green was called up and looked like Chad Green in his mop-up duty on Sunday. Struck out the side. He said he fixed his mechanical issues in the minors. Gave up two runs and five hits over seven and two thirds in the minors. If we can get Chad Green back, the bullpen starts to look a little different if you can add Chad Green back to the mix. Interesting to hear about the mechanical issues, too. Breaking the hands early is what they they came to. He was breaking his hands too early, 
and, and that was throwing other things off. So I, I when they fixed the um, the mechanical issue of bringing his hands together when they were coming apart, then other things fell back into flow, and apparently he had to make a couple little small tweaks after that, but felt good. Um, so interesting to see how something like that, so like breaking the hands, because nobody would look, nobody to the naked eye that's a fan of the game would probably think of breaking the hands and how that would make you out of sync with the rest of your body and the rest of your, um, you know, your wind up and the and, and the delivery of your pitches. But that was him, and and he was he was able to fix that. He had uh, some some good numbers in Scranton, a lot of strikeouts, which you'd expect. Obviously, that's see that's the thing when we're looking at a major league guy going into Scranton. What we want to see is high strikeout numbers. We want to see the ball around the plate, them working on their command, and that was one of the flags that I saw with Eliza. When we're you know he's going down there and still struggling in Tam- or in uh, Scranton, like he's not getting the production level at, against inferior opponents. That's a red flag. That's a guy that's that's not producing on that level. And and you'd expect him to produce on that level at this point because you're not just working out things. You're trying to, you know, you're working out the things that you would do on the major league level. So you should be you should be taking care of inferior opponents at that point. That's what we saw with Chad Green. Came up and then uh, struck out the side in, in a, a 7-1 game. But again, he was major league, nine, ninth inning against major league guys. Um, and, it's and a con- that was a confidence booster too. Absolutely. Because the guy the guy – Looked like he was afraid to pitch in the majors the last time we saw him. That's how bad he was. He looked like he was just, he had defeated, no idea He looked why. like a defeated man walking yeah. off the mound. He was just giving up home runs, giving up, he right. was walking guys, he was giving up home runs. He was just getting crushed. And you're talking about like arm slot, you're looking at what's happening, you're like, maybe, you know. And that's all fun, that's all, that's all great to say until you actually prove it at the majors again. Yes. And you have to have the confidence also that like the, the adjustment that you made, was the right adjustment that now you feel back and in sync and right. And, you know, from all the things that he's been saying, like, that's what he felt. He felt, he felt, he felt the adjustment that he made in the minor leagues and credit to the Yankee staff. Um, you know, I'm sure this was like a team effort where everybody looking at film and then him, them, you know, maybe they identified what it was at that point when, when he was struggling in the majors and he just needed time to fix it. Uh, and that's why he was in Scranton so that he could get those reps to fix what they, what they initially saw. But uh, yeah. it's good. And he needs the confidence, and he's got it, so that's good. Before we do mailbags, the Yankees, like you said, are going to play three against Baltimore this week. It was a weird road trip, just three games. Baltimore's coming in. They have the worst pitching staff in the, in the majors, maybe in Major League history. 5.59 team ERA. They've allowed 81 home runs, 2.2 per nine innings. They're just so damn bad. Uh, Lasagna's going to get another start in place of Paxton. Yes, which I think was a maybe a little minor question mark because he didn't look great, but he's going to. We said possibly Sessa, but again, he's. This is what it's going to be. It's going to be. It's going to be. Uh, Loisaga to, to Sessa. Yes, it's going to be him. I mean, they're going to be Sessa's not. He's he's essentially opening the game. Loisaga is three innings. Yeah, three or four innings. Yeah, yeah, they'll ride him though. He's, they're playing against Baltimore, so he might he might be able to find some. Uh, you know, well, find some, well the, what I think is you're playing against Baltimore, so you're looking to score seven eight runs. <laughs> Look at score seven, eight runs, but also you might be able to build up some confidence against this team as well. But again, like we saw, he wasn't able to produce the AAA level, so we'll see what happens with against the Baltimore lineup. Mailbags. First one up is from Joe at Joseph underscore P7 on Twitter. Is Boone the AL manager of the year to this point? I'm interested to see what you're going to say because you're going to go up against your boy. But, I mean, he's, he's got to be there with the amount of injuries that the Yankees have sustained this season and the cast of characters that have come up and and you know 
produce at a high level has been phenomenal. And yes, a lot of that goes to Cashman. You know, I, I, I gave you a cop-out answer uh, a, a week and a half ago when you asked me where the, where the, uh, you know, the, the credit goes to. Is it, is it Cashman? Is it Boone? And I said 50-50. Someone's got to get the players there, but the, the players got to play and someone's got to put them in the position. Um, I'm sticking to that. I think it's close. It's, it's, a, it's around that. But he's gotten the most out of what he's, he's uh, had on the field, and they're playing at a high level. So a lot of credit needs to go to Boone. A Yankees manager will never win the manager of the year. I don't think they will ever vote for a Yankees manager because Yankee of, bias because the writers hate the Yankees. It's not that. I think part of what you part of winning manager of the year is odds need to be stacked against you and your your team doesn't have to have resources. It's like you yeah. do more with less. And I know t- the Yankees have. And that's yeah. the thing. That's why it's kind of hypocritical. This would be the year. This would be the year. If there's any year, this would be the year, but I still don't think it's going to happen because on the face of it, the whoever's voting for this looks $200 million payroll, all these resources. It's the New York Yankees. They're just not going to vote for Aaron Boone. $200 million payroll is just not a big deal anymore, though. That's the thing. Like That's becoming more of a of, a, of, of not a knock against the New York Yankees because they're not the only team doing it. They're not the highest payroll anymore. I, f- I feel like that narrative has slowed down a bit. And when writers are looking at, and you're getting a lot more of these writers who you know are, are interested in sabermetrics as well, and there's an appreciation for that, I think. But you're seeing that they've done it with the guys like Voight, the guys that Cashman has gone out and found off the scrap heap. But again, you're talking about were, Cashman. No, I know that, but but also now they're producing at the on the major league level. This is this is where Boone has put them into positions where they can where they can uh, you know compete. I, I I think that the Yankee bias and the whole you know big bad New York Yankees thing is is potentially going away. So I, I do think this would be a year where he will get a lot of consideration. Yeah, other candidates might be Kevin Cash for the Rays, Rocco Baldelli for the Twins. They're both leading their division right now. And it's wait you, you don't vote until the end of the season, but we're just talking about on May 13th. That's that's the situation we're in. Rocco Baldelli, man, I tell you what, he's really gotten the most out of Michael Pineda. <laughs> he's, done a, he's done wonders with Michael Pineda, man. Yeah. That guy. Um, Shannon, when do we see Chance Adams come up? With all the injuries, especially the Paxton one, I can't help but wonder if he will be another Justice Sheffield trade bait piece as the Yankees have yet to bring him up and give him an opportunity to truly shine. Do they still believe in him, or has he become an old thought? I think he's... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Quick couple stats. We saw him last year, three games, one start, seven and two-thirds innings. He gave up eight hits and six earned runs, four walks. It's always the walks with him. Four walks and seven and two-thirds innings, not good. And if you look at his minors this year, in 30 innings, he's walked 15 guys. We've seen we've seen Chance Adams rise up as a guy that was potentially uh, a possibility as a starter for the New York Yankees. He came up and had that, you know, that good run where he went from single A to triple A. Uh, the, you know, in a, in a season he went to double A. I think he pitched a triple A for a, a couple uh, a couple starts if he got there. It was maybe in double A, but either way, he had a, a, a pretty fast rise through the system, and he was he was drafted uh, and came out as a reliever. Then he was switched to starter, and now. We're seeing him as a full-blown starter. I think his opportunity is gone. I think Chance Adams really is not in the cards any longer for what the Yankees are looking at. They have a ton of arms that are coming up fast through the organization at lower levels that I think they like a hell of a lot more. So um, what I, is he, though? Because he's, he's number 20 on their top 30 major league. He's just a guy, man, who's stumbling that's down. number 20 in their system. That doesn't even register in overall major league no. baseball. The walks are a significant problem. 37 not, strikeouts, though, in the minors in 30 innings so far. It doesn't matter. He's still gotten 15 walks. He's not, he's not showing command 
If he he's not showing the command in the minor leagues, he's coming up to the majors also having command issues. I mean, I know it's one start. Here's what I'm talking about though. 37 strikeouts in 30 innings. Does that maybe extrapolate to a bullpen arm? If you're not walking guys, you're still walking guys as a bullpen arm. That's a problem. But you can deal with if you walk one guy but strike out two guys at, or two or three guys as a bullpen guy. If you're if that's your walk rate, you're, you're striking these guys out in the trip in AAA. You're not striking these guys out at the major league level. You're striking them out in AAA. The, you're still walking not, guys. If if you're saying his chance with the Yankees is done, then that really only leaves trade. And I don't think you're. No one's looking to trade. He's a throw in, right? He's a throw-in. He's a player to be named later. He's a cash guy. I, I think that's what he's 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 playing himself into, honestly. I don't think that he's – I mean, they'll probably hold on to him as a depth piece as long as they can because you never know, and he does have some experience. So I could see them you know, giving him an opportunity if there was a, a, a last resort. Why, um, why did he – I forget. So last year I know he started a game in Boston. Boston, why, yeah. It was why, right before the All-Star break if I remember correctly. No, it was, it was the weekend they got swept. Was the, okay, I'm thinking of. But I'm, thinking why, of, I'm still thinking of Refslander right before the All Star. Why did he get the Rob. start? He's not on the 40 man roster. That's why. Uh, wait, why isn't he on the? Oh wait, sorry, I'm not looking at the right thing. Why did he get that start though? What happened? I mean, they were down. <laughs> they needed an arm, and he Chance came Adams up. is on the 40 man. He's on the 40 man roster. He's what, he, but like, why would? I'm trying to remember was. He gets the start. It was a spot start in Boston. I just don't remember the scenario. Like he was, he hurt? was, he was thrown into the fire for a series, and he actually pitched. We saw him go in there and and decent. I, I thought pitched pretty well in a in a really tough situation. Oh. Jay Happ had coccyx. Remember <laughs> what yes. was what's that disease called? Oh, oh, hand, mouth, and foot. Yeah, but what's it actually called? Coccyx. I, I don't know what it's called. Coccyx. Kakaxi? Yeah. Kukuchi? J-Hap had hand, foot, and mouth disease. That's why That's why he got the spot start for him, right? That's what happened. Your memory is better than mine with the, with the hand, mouth, and foot disease. But the, the thing is, is that I, I, you know, when he came up and pitched relatively well, unless he cleans up the walks, we're not going to see this guy be actually considered anything on the major league level unless the Yankees are completely decimated. He's just... Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think he's in their cards. I think he's completely fallen off of their radar as a guy that they would um, expect to be a contributor. Yeah. Because yeah. he hasn't improved. People listening to the podcast probably don't realize we had him on the show two years ago, maybe. Yeah. Two years ago. Go back and listen to that episode if you want to. Yeah. Do it right before you go to sleep. <laughs> Jason Alexander says, a pleasant surprise so far has been Tario Estrada, but what is his long-term role on this team? Uh, if it's a starter, if so, where trade bait, or is he going to overtake Wade as a potential primary bench guy? I don't think Wade is a primary p- bench guy at this point, but no, but that's that's who he could be. So that's I think everybody looks at him as as that potential. I, yeah, I think Estrada is a guy that they're they're definitely high on. Uh, that he's he's come back. I think you know he's he's number nineteen. He's just just ahead of Chance Adams, but I think that nineteen is is actually low for what they think his ceiling is. He was and part of the reason is because he he got playing shot. with a bullet in his hip. He got shot last year, literally, and he's coming back from a bullet wound. So uh, that's going to knock you down a little bit on the depth chart of your prospect rankings. This is a guy though that has a lot of ability and and can play multiple positions. We even saw him go into left field after he hadn't played left field uh, since you know I think high school or wherever, like lower in his lower in his playing career. 
uh, but came up and played and, and, and played admirably. So they, they have confidence that he can go around the diamond and play different, different areas. So yeah, I think long-term we see him as a potential guy that could fill in as a utility guy or they could trade him. You know, they're just, they build up value, uh, as they play in the major leagues and guys are getting opportunities to play right now. So, um, there, he's going to slot in as a utility guy and, and a depth piece right now. If he does stay on the roster, I think Sterling is going to have to come up with a better home run call than Tyro hits one to Cairo. I think that Sterling forgot again. He he literally just he he copied the Luke Voigt one, which is Voigt hits one to Detroit. Well, I mean, he rhymes. He's a rhymer. He, he's got yeah, rhythm. But like, usually this is what he his does. rhymes are not. I mean, this is just plug and play. Hit, Cairo player is a city hits one to city. Egypt. And the home run was a wall scraper. <laughs> Tyro is matter. a city. That Tyro doesn't is matter. a city in Egypt. Uh huh. Detroit right? is is a city in the Midwest. What happens yes. if what happens? Luke Voigt could actually hit a Voigt, ball to the Midwest. But what happens when Luke He's from Voigt, the Midwest? What happens when the Yankees are playing in Detroit and Luke Voigt hits a home run? <laughs> he hits it out of Detroit. <laughs> That's probably what he will say. There you go. But no, Tyro Estrada. The the Tyro to Cairo, I, I I really I think F minus. I, I think Sterling forgot again, and it's the first thing he could. He's like, I can't come up with nothing. First thing he thought of A B C Cairo. <laughs> Do you think he he, he went through the alphabet quickly with rhymes and Cairo got hit? Does he consult Susan? Or he at thought all? of Miguel Cairo. I thought maybe he thought of Miguel Cairo. Okay. Boom, Cairo. I like Miguel Cairo. He thought of. <laughs> He, they were probably talking about Miguel Cairo. Oh, what a great player Miguel Cairo was. <laughs> you know, and they're just went As through. Susan, at some Susan point. was not happy about the lights going off yesterday. I could I could see her being very un, very miserable with the lights. <laughs> they don't this, like this delays. So <laughs> Susan and John don't like delays. They hate rain delays. Susan's always consulting they the hate weather. Slow app. play, period. So so when they're in a dome in a controlled environment and they think they're gonna just get because that was that game was moving along quite quickly yesterday. Ninth inning. And then boom, all of a sudden, half hour delay to the friggin' garbage can lights turn off. They were not it's happy. Kick, it's a kick in the nuts. It's a, it's 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 not good. It's almost like you're thinking like the, the rays are doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. It didn't work. Greg from Canada, the Yanks are going to make a big trade at some point over the next few months. Who do you think the Yankees' best trade chip is at this point? Esteban Florial, Albert Breu, Mike King, maybe someone that's been up and filling in admirably like Urshela and or Estrada. Who you got? And I think that... So Greg's going all in that they are yeah, making a trade. I don't know why. See, if you're going to make a trade, it's going to be for pitching, right? I don't see them making a trade for position player. Right. So I mean, if, that, that would make no sense to me. If you're going to trade for a pitcher, why would you do that when you could just go out and spend money on Keuchel? There, there, there's no reason you would do that. Right, because it, it, you're going to sign Keuchel after Unless the, you have an opportunity at somebody who's a much better, longer-term piece, younger guy that right, you but think but will We don't know who you. that is at this point. Right. If you're just looking for a one-year option, Keuchel's your guy. You'd sign in, and I think we have a next question about what we would actually sign Keuchel to, so I'll read that in a second. But I just want to say, you're not going to trade up, let's just use Madison Bumgarner, because I know that was rumored. His his no-trade targets came up this weekend, and the Yankees are on his no-trade list. Um, but if he were to waive it, maybe he'd come to the Yankees. Why would you trade for someone like um, 
uh, Madison Bumgarner, who you'd have to give up assets for, significant assets Significant for, assets. And might not give you a better half season than Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, no, that's the thing. When Dallas Keuchel is sitting out there and and in your face as a guy that's available for money and um, probably a lot of money, he's probably going to ask for a King's Ransom to come back and help well, a contender. Let's read this. Ryan Huckabay, at Ryan Huckabay on Twitter. Some indicators are that Keuchel will be a Yankee by indicators, I mean social media gossip. If Keuchel is to be a Yankee, <laughs> what is the maximum amount of money and length of contract you would be okay with? Yeah, I mean, there's been some articles put out there as well uh, from, uh, from I think, the uh, the Times or the Daily News. Talking Heyman about, talked about the, after the, he was like the Yankees. Yeah, Heyman talks about everything, every every single possible rumor you could think of that's floated on Yankee well, people, Twitter. Heyman like writes it in people. his little book and mm-hmm. talks about it, and then it becomes and notes. a thing. So, yeah, I mean, they're saying that the Yankees have one of the better opportunities, and, and if you're looking at possible suitors, that they make a lot of sense, and they do. But so does Houston. I mean, like Houston makes a lot of sense too, unless there's bad blood, which so I don't Red think. Sox. I don't think that makes any. I don't think bad blood's a thing really in in professional sports as much anymore. But the Red Sox also make a lot of sense. So yeah. Um, uh, so he turned down Houston's qualifying offer of seventeen point nine million dollars. I don't think he will take a penny under that. Oh really? So you think that he's going to ask for that for the second half of the year? Now? No, it would be a, it would be a uh, prorated seventeen point nine million dollars. Okay. Um, I think that's what you're looking at. About prorated okay. $20 million. Yeah, so I, you're yeah, looking I think at like higher. $12 have, million. You have to bucks. put a premium on it. You're looking I at like you're, $12 million bucks for the second half of the season. That's 20, I mean, that's it's $24 million then. So you're looking, at, you're looking at a premium. I think it's going to be a premium on top of that because you're going to get a guy in the second half that's, that's you know, theoretically going to be ready to go, right as you and plug and play. Uh, and, and you're getting, you know, a number two guy, right? Like you're, what do you, what do we expect? We're not expecting a number one guy from Dallas Keuchel, especially he's been off this time. Ceiling is a number two, you know, probably more of a number three, right? I mean, like that's what you're, you're hoping for, you're hoping for number one Keuchel, but you're not going to get that. A lot of this also depends on Severino and what they expect Severino to do. If they don't expect Severino to really come back this year, then they might have to sign Keuchel. And that's what we're talking about when, when the draft is, um, when the all-star break is, when Severino is potentially going to start ramping up again. Like all of these are pretty close in timing. So the Yankees should have at least a relatively, and I'm sure they already have an idea of what's realistic for Severino. And it could be, you know, we're going to, we're going to let him start ramping up and then, and see how he does on that point. And if there's anything, anything at all that we see that's a discomfort or a flag, we're going to shut him down. Because I do think that the leash for him physically is going to be very, very short. And at that point, then they go and they look at uh, and they look at Keuchel or, or making a move. But if Keuchel's still there, why would you not pay money? I also don't see the Yankees or Houston or the Red Sox signing Keuchel for more than just the rest of the year. If, if there's a team, a wild card team that comes in, maybe a, a little bit smaller of a market team, they might offer him... To like a year plus next year or something like that, or maybe like a year and an option. Yeah, but I don't think he wants that. I think I think. So it, you think when, he just wants to come in and just get paid couple million, ten million, twelve million for the rest of the year, yeah. and then go to free agency again? Yeah. But what if a team offers him a player option where he can sort of assess the situation next year, but know he has a backup plan? You know, you yeah. offer him, you offer him. 12 million for the rest of the year and then he can opt in at 18 million next year or he can go to free agency. I mean that's a possibility. I mean maybe something like that. But 
Uh, I do think that he's trying to increase his leverage at this point, and if he can come in and pitch at a high level right. for the so second half of the year. if he comes in and dominates, then he opts yeah. out. If he comes in no, and no, he's yeah. That's why mediocre, that, then he picks up his option. That's why I think a player option would make sense. But I don't think, you know, like any other, unless he were to get a long-term deal, which is not, not going to happen, if he were to get a long-term deal, then that's something. But if not, like I don't know why he would do that. A player option I could see because then the leverage is and, – and he's in a position of control at that point. But I do think he's going to show up, try to pitch his ass off, build his value up to a point where he could go out and, and make himself a you know a significant long-term deal and try to get a, you know, a better um, deal for next year. But again, you know, there's, so many, there's so many things that are coming up in the near future with the collective bargaining agreement and – and all these things in play that I, I just think he's going to get paid as much as he possibly can right now and then play his cards again in the offseason. I agree. And I, I wouldn't be opposed to the to the one-year um, prorated qualifying offer-ish deal for the Yankees. It's just going to be very interesting because you're doing you're looking at the Yankees and the Red Sox and they're up against that second threshold with the I don't luxury tax. I, I, I think at this point, I don't yeah, think but, it's, but, I don't think care. If you're doing it for just half of a year, so you're paying him whatever it is, and then you're going over and you're paying that penalty as well. So that that ten to twelve million dollar contract or whatever it may be turns into a significantly higher dollar amount on the bottom line to what you're paying. But this the Yankees year. are already pretty much gonna go over that. They're their asses are against that that threshold right now. They're yeah. right there. Look, there's another argument when you say, I mean, we're, we're going all in uh, on, on this trade. Greg from Canada is going all in on this trade, that there's going to be a trade. You could look at this Yankees roster and say what's happened right now actually goes a, totally against that and says, why would they make a trade at this point? Because the depth is better than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. We're seeing a, a very deep team that's playing at a high level. Why would we make a trade? What are we going to get that's better than what we have currently, plus all the guys that come so back? In theory, the Yankees are acquiring at some point midseason um, Dellen Batances, Luis Severino, John Carlos Stanton, Aaron Judge, and uh, Dee Dee Andujar. And, and, and Andujar at, at full strength offensively. Right. So, like, you're not. I don't see unless there's a major setback, unless Severino gets shut down for the entire year, unless Paxton, jo- Paxton's still out there too yeah, with an injury right. that we don't know what's going to come back. From. Unless Judge's oblique injury is so bad he's got to miss the entire season. Unless something like that happens, I don't see them making a major acquisition on the trade front. I do see a possible signing. I, I can see that. Yeah, I, it's just the money's going to play into it. I think. I, I think it, that luxury tax, depending on where they are, whether we want to admit it or not, is going to play into it. And the Red Sox did not make a move this offseason and strategically because they know that they have to re-sign guys. They know they that they have started to, re-signing guys. They gave Chris Sale I, a huge contract. I know that, but that's why they didn't sign him. So that, Mookie Betts is still you know, going to be a guy that they are going to have to pay a He's shit ton of money. He's going to be a $200 million guy. Yes. So they're going to have, they, they know that they have guys that they have to sign. Um, Maybe $300 million. That's going to play into the fact that they haven't done that they haven't done anything either, and and if they're going to go out and sign Keiko for just money because now just money is putting you over that threshold. Mm. All right, guys, thank you for all the mailbag questions. Every Monday episode we do mailbags. You can go to bronxpinstripes.com/podcast to submit them. Final topic: These were much talked about cleats. Clint Frazier's cat cleats for Mother's Day. What do you think of these things? <sighs> I agree. We all we all we, we all know this. we all know my thoughts on the on on cats. All right, and and uh, look, he's he's tri- he's paying a tribute to his mother. 
Yeah, it's you Mother's can't say Day. Bad. It's it's his mother's cats. He's putting his cats on the shoes for his mom. We know that Clint Frazier likes cats. He's got a couple of them. You know, uh, I'm. Uh, I, I think the whole cat. The reason I got down on the cats in the first place. One, I'm not a cat guy. That's number one. Definitely not a cat guy. Certainly not a cat guy. <laughs> if you didn't know, I'm not a cat guy. Uh, but the hairless cat, man, the hairless cat really like there's voodoo in that cat. Like I think that cat is evil. I think uh-huh. there's something wrong with that cat. I think it put a hex on this team. I don't like it. I don't like that bird uh, puts it in his coat. I think it's disgusting. I think that it, it's it's ended his career and, and probably this cat has been gnawing at his legs. Yeah. So that's asleep. what I was going to say. So you and, know how to put a hex on his, his brittle bones. You know how people say that if uh, if you own a dog and you die in the middle of the night, the dog will bark for help and will sleep by your side because they're loyal to the owner. Right. If you die and you're a cat owner in the middle of the night, the cat Cats will eat eventually you. eat you because it's going to get hungry. Yeah. What if we have a scenario where Greg Bird's hairless cat is not physically eating him, but he, he's eating his soul? <laughs> I mean, I think that's happening. He's eating him from the inside out. And it's starting with the ankle and the foot. All the cartilage is gone. All the bones are now brittle. Yeah, I think that's what's happened to Greg Bird. Look, man. I mean, you know, he he uh, <laughs> he 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 has spent a lot of time with this cat. He was on, you know, in remote areas with this cat, fishing by himself. I don't know what this cat's doing. The cat is evil. It's put a hex on him, and he's allowed that to happen. There's no, no the one cat else, might be putting no one hexes on the rest of the players with all I, these injuries. I fully, I fully believe that. I believe. That because they were in Florida for a long time, they were in Tampa. The cat was probably in Tampa. They came yeah. out of spring training, and and all of a sudden, things bad things started happening. Do we still sell the hairless cat shirt on the website? I think I took it down. Actually, you got to take that thing good. down. I do. Maybe do a final sale on it, like one dollar. No, 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 no. I'm not gonna. No. No, I need to get rid of it. I need to burn it. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Um, any final words? Scott, good weekend. I'm, I'm feeling good about this weekend. I think what happened is pretty much as best as it could have gone. It was a good scenario. I think they, they played. Obviously, they, they you know got rid of the um, the problems they had at the trap. Yeah. The trap showed its its ugly head. I'm glad that that happened at the at the. But they you know, prevailed. The, the final hour. It didn't, and they it didn't negatively affect them. No, they came right back out, and, and uh, there was a ball hit Last to Last year, the power goes out, then the Yankees blow that game in the ninth inning. Yeah, the, the power was blown and it went to Cairo and we're all good. All right. And now we come and we beat the living shit out of the Baltimore Orioles because we cannot lose another game to them. And that's it. You know, they just keep this this thing rolling on. And uh, I I'll, my prediction is that Miguel Andohar will go on a, a, a rampage. Hopefully it's not in Scranton and it's up here in the in the Bronx against the Baltimore Orioles. All right, I'm looking forward to seeing how Hicks does in uh, back in Major League Action, and we will talk to you Thursday. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.